nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Welcome. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing, and I am Leanne Meyer. Today we're doing an experiment. It's sort of an experiment in progress. I am at the Building the Future of Women's Healthcare Conference at Park Nicollet Methodist Hospital in Minneapolis, Minnesota. For hundreds of years, it seems that the importance of women's healthcare has taken a backseat to all other areas of healthcare. When research began in earnest, especially with uh, uh, researching drugs, it was all done with men. The reality was that with women, there were so many uh, aspects to sway the studies, and and, um, they would have to uh, uh, balance that in their uh, results. So when you think of it, you know, menstruation, pregnancy, lactation, menopause, etc., there were just so many things that could throw off their research. So they just worked on men, and the assumption was that the results would also apply to women. And as we've gone forward, we found that that is often not the case, and women have been the ones who have paid the price. So this conference The purpose of this conference is to look at all the ways that women's health will need to be on the forefront of healthcare in the future from a population health standpoint and also a monetary direction for healthcare facilities. Today, I will be talking with uh, Tanya Abreu, who has um, uh, created and uh, propelled this conference into being. Uh, pulled together all of these incredible people that we'll be talking and working with. Um, Andrea Winter is the Vice President of Business Development at Park Nicollet Methodist Hospital, and her primary area is in the area of women uh, and women's health. So we will be talking with them on the show, but I also wanted to let you know that there are seven, uh, several um, sponsors of the show that are uh, making, a, uh, making it be a reality for us. So um, Simmons Health and Ears is one of them, and uh, they have uh, been able to um, uh, help healthcare providers worldwide to increase the value, uh, their value by empowering their journey towards expanding precision medicine, transforming care delivery, improving patient experience, and digitalizing healthcare. They're a leader in modern technology. So that is something that's just a huge benefit. It goes beyond where most nurses maybe are familiar with Epic or healthcare people that are uh, uh, familiar with that. This goes way beyond it and gets to a point where we're looking at um, being very specific uh, for each individual person and able to really Uh, pinpoint what it is that person needs uh, going forward and and being able to find how to get that um, kind of care. So the Cine companies are also uh, one of our sponsors, and uh, they were founded by Malcolm Cine to service a niche market of, of healthcare real estate. 
uh, just as its predecessor, Dasco Companies. After they sold that company um, they, uh, to a large international public construction company, they examined the marketplace and realized that there were ample opportunities for entrepreneurial development uh, that can be keenly responsive to the healthcare provider's needs. So you have that uh, aspect of architecture that is playing into what are the needs of healthcare, and as healthcare is changing so rapidly, uh, we're realizing that we need to be able to change uh, the look of our buildings and the uh, the way that they're set up in order to make them more helpful for our patients and con- clients. Um, Aurora Diagnostics is also another group that has sponsored us. Um, They are a leading independent pathology services and cancer diagnostics company, and they offer integrated diagnostic and personalized medicine, again, that personal touch of consultations and information technology solutions to physicians and hospital systems. These pathologists provide diagnostic opinions and work collaboratively with referring physicians to determine appropriate patient treatment options. Um, the thing, I, I just sat in on a, um, care, a conference with them, and it was fascinating to see all of the ways that we can improve um, diagnostics through using pathologists. Most of us think of a pathologist, and we think of uh, somebody who's, who's um, doing an autopsy. And it turns out they do far more of that, and in fact are the heroes behind the scene when surgeons are finding a cancer and the pathologists are immediately finding out what is this cancer and what can we do. Um, but somehow or another, they never get the credit for it. Another group is called Healthy Women, and um, they are the nation's in- leading independent nonprofit health information source for women. Um, their mission is to educate women to make informed health choices for themselves and for their families. Uh, for 30 years, millions of women have turned to this organization for their answers to their most personal health care questions. Um, they provide research-based health information and medical experts to ensure its accuracy. Uh, And another company is Haley Salt, S-A-U-L-T, and they are a communication specialist group in healthcare and they cause cause related marketing so that they can aim to improve lives and create a healthier world by being able to get that information directly to the people who need to hear about it. They're always searching for the next great insight and the next great strategy, the next great idea. So their clients are um, include challenger hospitals and healthcare systems as well as nonprofits leading the transformation of health and healthcare in America. Uh, today or right now, we are going to talk with um, uh, excuse me, Gwen Gillette. And she is with Lori's Gifts. This is an interesting organization that has been very health or women focused also. And so, Lori, could you tell a little bit about yourself and how you get involved in the group that you work with, um, the extent of, of your uh, work, how yeah. far it goes? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Leanne. So, Lori's Gifts is actually a company that operates in the exclusive niche of hospital retail. We've been doing nothing but hospital gift shop management for almost 40 years. 
Um, and it, I've been with the company, it'll, uh, it'll be 21 years in March. So I've watched the company grow for a very long time. And it really struck me when you were uh, just bringing to mind the fact that for a very long time, research in medicine, med- medical work in general, has been very male-centric because the researchers are men. And, and that's why for many drugs that have been launched, were launched in the wrong dosages for women, things like that, just because the, the idea of men and women being different has hasn't always been at the forefront of the field. In retail, it really works out just the opposite because everything we do is about engaging with customers. So we actually see every interaction within our shops obviously as a customer interaction because the vast majority of our customers are women. Women have always been at the forefront of our business in the hospital setting. I, I find it interesting and really gratifying as a woman myself to hear hospitals talking about their relationship with their patients their all the way from are they patients or are they guests or are they even customers or consumers i don't hear the word customer so much but certainly the word consumer um, that whole retail framework is very much present in the hospital setting. And I, I don't mean that in a way that, I mean, I understand obviously retail is not clinical and it's we see ourselves as part of the total healthcare continuum, but it's very interesting that the standards that have always been in place in retail are now finding their way into the hospital setting because hospitals now are in a competitive environment where they have to operate based on satisfaction, satisfactory outcomes, satisfactory service. Well, and the people who are coming to hospitals know so much more. Before you came to the hospital, you put your, yourself in the hands of the doctor and the nurses, and you just did what they told you to do. Mm-hmm. Now people are coming into the hospitals with already having researched whatever their problem is, and they have some input and ideas about what they want to have, and they want to know if the people they're working with um, have that understanding or have mm-hmm. that knowledge. Um, the other thing that comes to mind for me as a nurse, I think about all the times that that gift shop was uh, like a, a, a lifeline for me. Um, I was working a lot, and while working a lot, having um, uh, times, sometimes I couldn't get out to do mm-hmm. Christmas shopping or doing you know, many other things, even just some needs for yeah. home uh, that I could come to the gift shop and be able to find that information or find that, those products there. So, um, uh, yeah, so I just want to thank you for the work that yeah, you're doing. Absolutely. And it, I love gift shops. I often will <laughs> so go to, to hospital <laughs> gift shops because I know I'm going to find unique and interesting mm-hmm. things there. And, again, they're geared toward women. Often, absolutely, women that are coming and buying the gifts, or you know, thinking of doing yeah. that. So, um, thank you so much. Yes, thank I, you. I appreciate uh, Gwen Gillette for you to come. And the next time you're in a hospital, you're in forty different, four hundred, four hundred hospitals across uh, forty states, from Maine to Hawaii. The Hawaii shop is a great one to visit. <laughs> so, almost anyone that you're going to go into, that is where um, Gwen Gwen is coming from. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, Our next guest is uh, Tanya Abreu, and Tanya is, in my opinion, a genius. Um, She is the person who put this whole conference together, pulled people from all over the country to be able to come, and put our heads together, some of the best brains uh, around women's health care, to come together and be able to talk um, about what what we can do, what's the future, and how do we get there. So, uh, 
Thank you. Uh, so, Tanya, if you uh, would like to introduce yourself a little bit. Yes, of course. Why this conference? Why now? Mm-hmm. My name is Tanya Abreu, and this is the second time I've been able to be on this broadcast of Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse with Leanne. It's a great place because this is how we influence healthcare. This conference that I am very proud to curate um, is being hosted by Park Nicolette. Uh, Methodist Hospital, really and truly a giant in being able to achieve a women's health program that is at once beautiful and luxurious and at the same time cares effectively and equitably for the community that it serves here in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. Very proud to be here, but our problem, you know, listeners and Leanne, is that healthcare for women is changing and we as consumers, as nurses, as consumers, we want a different model of healthcare. We don't want to go to medical office buildings. We don't want to go to hospitals. I know nurses that don't even want to work in the hospital setting anymore, right? They want to they want to do concierge medicine or they're embracing home health models. What is that? And I'm hoping as a curator here and also as an executive at a U.S. hospital that I can benefit from listening to, as Leanne says, the best and brightest minds. So that's why I'm here. Um, I uh, just listened to and I need, you know, one of the things that that I wanted to share with you, and this is we're live here at the conference the woman here, Dr. Jones. Um, I asked her to possibly visit you because um, Andrea's running a little late. Okay. Uh, Dr. Jones um, is a former surveyor of hospitals for Joint Commission. You know, as you're listening, the gold standard in hospital quality. She is launching a nonprofit <laughs> that is about ensuring quality for those who don't have voices. Uh, as nurses, we know what that means. How many times do nurses in my hospital come to the patient people, the patient representatives, and say, no one's listening to this patient. (laughs) That's an amazing role of nurses. So anyhow, I'm glad to be here. So thank you, Leanne, for having me again. Absolutely. Anything else you want to share before we um, go to break? No, I'm just, I, I hope that you can enthusiastically stay involved with this broadcast because in, in the last, at least the last three months that I've listened and, and watched, it, this is really making a difference to the lives of nurses and the influences that they have in patient care. Yes, and, and it really does need to change. And I think that nurses definitely are going to be at the forefront. For sure, we want to be, and for sure, um, it's becoming more apparent of what nurses really can provide. Um, Thank you so much. So we are going to go to break. Uh, This is a nice place for it. So this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And I'm here today, this is Leanne, I'm here today um, at the Building the Future of Women's Healthcare Conference at Park Nicollet Methodist Hospital in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So um, hang on and come back after the break. For exciting video content live and on demand, visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. 
If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. This is Leanne Meyer, and today's segment is coming directly from the Park Nicollet Methodist Hospital in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We're involved in a conference called the Building the Future of Women's Healthcare. So very important that we start focusing on women for many, many different reasons. My next guest is Dr. Brenda Jones, and she is a nurse nurse background, and now a nurse practitioner, and she is uh, from Tier 1 Performance Solutions. Um, She's a senior patient perinatal consultant, so very involved with women. Um, Dr. Jones, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into nursing, how you got to here, why is this conference important to you? Absolutely. Uh, This conference is important because I have always loved women's health. Um, I knew at three years old I wanted to be a nurse. I absolutely love nursing. And Leanne and I talked earlier and we talked about all the different facets of nursing that um, are available to us. And I started out as a labor and delivery nurse, went back and became a nurse practitioner, um, went back and got a doctorate in health science with a focus on perinatal safety. And I've done jobs all over the continuum, um, latest uh, VP of quality and safety joint commission. And I've also been a state deputy director for the office of women's health. So as you can see, women's health is a, 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 a true passion uh, for me. So I was talking about earlier that 
um, really up until more recently, uh, women have been sort of pushed to the back uh, burner with um, health care. And for many different reasons, one, we're so complicated and we're so um, changeable. I mean, we literally are changing week by week, day by day sometimes. Um, so that healthcare, I think it, we're a little complicated for them and maybe haven't wanted to deal with this. So why is this conference important to you? What do you want to see come out of it? So I think you're dead on, um, Leanne. I think we are complicated um, and, and healthcare doesn't know what to do with us. But I think we're also dismissed for whatever reason. And a lot of that we, for, for reasons unknown, kind of tolerate it and, and allow it. Um, for me in women's health, especially with the, the nuance of maternal mortality and talking about this all the time and looking at implicit bias very specifically for women of color. So I, I have a, a, a focus and think that that's so important because I've seen it in my in my practice. I've seen it in healthcare. Um, I've uh, surveyed over 120, 130 hospitals across the country. And so for me, it was, um, as my pastor said, what keeps you up at night? For me, this is what keeps me up at night. I think about it all the time. And I think about what can I do to really help make a difference so that women know how to advocate. There's research that show that women have as much as 75 or 80% of the decisions in the home. And with that being the case, they are the ones that I feel it's really important that we teach and help them advocate for their husbands, their children, their mothers, their fathers, um, because they're a strong force. The other thing with that is oftentimes they put all of those other people first, Absolutely. themselves last. And Absolutely. so by the time they do go to the doctor or they do get um, some kind of help, their condition may have gotten to a point right, where right. it's beyond um, either beyond help or at a very critical stage. The other thing that I really wanted to bring out, um, there's so much research that's being done now about the difference between uh, diversity, the uh, the statistics of how healthcare is both delivered to people of color as opposed to white people, and then also the statistics, particularly with uh, mortality with women and pregnancies, mm -hmm. uh, pre, post, or pre, during, and post pregnancies, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, where it's just not been addressed. And even I'm I'm an OB nurse, so former OB nurse, and I could not believe the statistics. Is there anything you'd like to share on that level of what we're learning? Yeah, I just shared a story at the conference, and I don't know that we have time to, to, to go over that, but it has been my experience that I, I don't know. I, I do have time. I oh, well, so. I, I have time then. Um, I, I want to share just a little brief story. Um, I was working as a triage nurse in OB, and I was seeing a pregnant patient, and um, she came in by ambulance, had two children that had to be left at home, and um, she was in preterm labor. The long and short of it is a physician seen her, evaluated her, and felt she needed to stay for a day. And she said, I absolutely will not stay. I can't stay. And she's very adamant about it. And so I think the aha moment for me in terms of implicit bias is they kind of walked away, and you could hear them at the end of the room saying, what kind of mother wouldn't stay? And this is terrible. And, you know, you know these inner city. Like, you could hear the comments. And I went and I sat down. And I talked to her, and basically she um, said to me, um, after me sitting down, 
eye contact, getting to know her, really wanting to hear what was going on. I didn't think she was a bad mother. She shared that her brother was a substance abuse user and that he would do something with her children. And she said she didn't know what to do. And so we worked with a social worker and we got her children safe and she was able to stay at the hospital for the day. But now, can we imagine what would have happened if she had have left, you know, against medical advice simply because the bias in us as providers allowed that to happen? And she could have had a baby that was very small and 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 had um, well, health the issues. Level that she was under could have started, you know, all kinds of activity that absolutely Leanne. would be impossible for her at home to be able to stop. Absolutely. And it's those kind of things that I could tell a story from here till the end of the evening that happen. And we know that when we talk about implicit bias or these unconscious stereotypes that we have, they really play into not just on the lower social economic, they also look at women who are educated. I get that all the time. Um, and so I understand it. And um, there's no blame. We just have to fix it. And, and that's the thing that's curious to me because I think so many people that have talked to me about the issue mm-hmm. always assume it's that lower socioeconomic yes. issue. And it, as you said, it is not. So how can that be? Is it is it, again, implicit bias that's coming in? Um, I know many black women that have co- gone in for prenatal care and some of those things, and they have said, you know, even they're professionals and they hold back. There's something they don't feel like they can say. Um, there's just something about how they're being received that tells them, hold back, I can't really... Uh, ask the questions I may want to ask without being perceived as being pushy or who absolutely. Knows what else. And I do think, as a as a woman of color, I'm very uh, very focused on how I approach. Um, because if I ask certain questions, I usually get, "So, are you in healthcare? What do you do for a living?" <laughs> and it's like, what, you know, why is that? But I, I've learned to deal with it. And I think for me, it's learning how that patient that doesn't have that confidence. I shared another story with them very briefly is my mom just had a procedure and the provider walked right in the room and he didn't wash his hand and he was going near a sterile field and he was going to put eye drops in to anesthetize her eyes. And I said, Doc, please, can you wash your hands? And he wasn't offended. And I was very very happy about that. But he did. He said, I know better and I am so sorry. But that could have went south. And how do we have patients be able to advocate and not feel like they have done something wrong because we're asking someone to make sure that their hands are Mm -hmm. clean? When we look at the infection rate in hospitals, we really want to understand why people aren't washing their hands. But if they're not, then I don't mind speaking up and saying, you need to wash your hands. Mm And I think, you know, it's it's one of those situations where if you have not been in the situation yourself or have not observed and understand what is going on, um, when I first started hearing about these inequities, I kind of brushed them aside as, oh, uh, that person is just being too thin-skinned or they're, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're reading something into that. It isn't really, you know, to that level. Um, and... Uh, then I started having a lot of friends and especially with being an OB nurse, people come and ask me questions and um, I would go with them to doctor's appointments or I would go with them when they were ready to deliver their babies and it was different 
And I would not have believed it had I not seen it myself. And now I have to realize that I have to step back and say, I am in a privileged class as a white person. And I have to open my eyes and open my ears to these patients who are trying to call out for help. And I need to be that person who advocates for them and says, yes, your concerns are valid and need to be addressed. Yeah, and I think more education. I think there was legislation in Illinois to move toward having providers be educated so that they're aware. And and and, and there's there's literature out there that suggests mm-hmm. that that is is helpful um, because if you're not aware of it, mm-hmm. you you don't even know that you're doing that. Exactly. And so many people, you know, they don't intend to be no not uh, at inconsiderate all. or any of those things. They don't even they're not even aware. Not only not seeing it in others, but not noticing it in the in that's themselves. That's right. I agree. And that's something that when I was working as an OB manager, that I really talked with my staff to be aware of the reaction you're getting that's from right. people because you may. Say a word that means something else to them, or um, uh, 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 maybe you think you're being funny or you're joking, and to them it doesn't come off that way. Or maybe somebody who English is not their first language, yes. and so they're a little uncomfortable anyway. And um, just many different things that we could be doing that is turning our patient off to us, so they're not going to tell us when they need help or whatever they're going they're either going to wait for the another nurse that comes in that they can yes, feel like Leanne, she's so being true. open to them or they're going to just keep it to themselves and we may not find out until it's too late to do something about it you're dead on and, and Leanne one of the things that I am at this conference for is I, I shared with Tanya we kind of met on LinkedIn and I shared with her that I had been volunteering uh, at churches and different organizations I'm, I'm not doing it for money but the stories that I heard in the hospital made me, you know, that patients that had been in the hospital, and this is at a church organization, and it it just sickened me. Uh, a lady talked about, she was in a wheelchair, and she said she had just had surgery, and she couldn't figure out why she couldn't get better a year after the surgery, and went to another doctor and found there was a drill bit that was still in her knee, and the physicians that... Um, so when she he said you need to go back to the person that did the surgery and and they said to her oh we do that all the time oh I was so repulsed and she was crying and she didn't know and she didn't have recourse and but she didn't even do anything she just said I just at this point I don't know what to do no one else will do anything because they're not going to go behind somebody else's but I heard multiple stories like that and I've been keeping them so I Mm -hmm. I've turned this to a, a um, LLC, moving toward a nonprofit, to start going around and helping nursing home and hospital uh, staff to understand how important we need to communicate. Right. Um, there's so many things that education can open up, but it's it's really um, encouraging people that this is not necessarily. Uh, calling you a bad person that you don't no, know it. No, it's not simply at all. we cannot know what we do not know. That's right. And that's the thing that, you know, as a child, I can remember people saying to me, You don't know that. And it drove me crazy. But when you think about it, how can you possibly know something that you do not know? We each learn, we're each in different environments. Absolutely. We know what we learn, what we uh, experience, etc. 
we're going to take a break here. Uh, I think this is a good spot for it. Uh, so this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and I'm at the Building the Future of Women's Healthcare um, Conference at Park Nicollet Methodist Hospital in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and we'll be right back. For exciting video content live and on demand, visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back. Thank you so much for returning to This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And I'm Leanne Meyer. I am really excited to be here at this conference called uh, Building the Future of Women's Women's Healthcare. We're at Park Nicollet Methodist Hospital in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I've been bringing in a few different people from the conference to talk about what they're contributing and bringing to it. And I'm fortunate to have uh, with me Andrea Winter, and she is uh, the vice president of, and I've uh, senior director. Senior director, excuse yeah. me. Um, Oh, it's on the other side. Okay. Uh, Vice President of Business Development and then Senior Director of Women's Services. Services. So um, I'd like her to tell you a little bit about herself and then how she got involved in this conference and why it's so important. 
Well, I'm very excited to be here today, and uh, we're excited to be hosting this conference as well. Um, as you said, my name is Andrea Winter. I have been with Park Nicollet here now for 20 years. Um, I am an administrative director, so while I am not a nurse, my mom was, so I feel like I'm still part of the crew. I was part raised family. part of the family. I was raised well. I spent actually much of my childhood. Um, she was an OR nurse, so I would go and watch her, uh, which really helped inspire my desire to work in healthcare um, and just went down the business path a little bit instead of the direct care. But uh, I'm really fortunate to be able to do the work that I do, particularly in women's health as a woman. And I have a daughter too. And caring for my mom and my grandmothers, it's just uh, really my life coming to fruition through the work that I do. Yeah, absolutely. So um, how did you become involved in this conference? So Tanya Abreu and I met probably 15 years ago. Uh, there were a lot more conferences on women's health back then. Uh, we were meeting at these different places across the country, and it was so inspiring. And that's where I learned a lot of the concepts that we employed in our Women's Center here at Park Nicollet as I was going out and researching the latest and the greatest in women's health. So I learned from Tanya and Dr. Vicki Lucas and a lot of the other speakers that are here today, um, some of the concepts that we have employed. So we got busy building our Women's Center. The conferences actually stopped for a while. And then about two years ago, Tanya and I met at a conference and we just said, you know, there are not enough of these. Women's health is still a focus area. If it's not, it should be. Uh, we know women make up at least half the population and healthcare facilities are still not focusing enough on women's healthcare. So she said, if no one else is going to do it, we're going to do it. And it seems like women are not the, do not tend to stand up and negotiate and say, hey, wait a minute, it's my turn. Um, and so oftentimes they're waiting for somebody else to notice that they're in need. Um, so I know that you just did a whole redevelopment of your women's area, and I had the opportunity to just tour it, and it is fabulous. Very welcoming, warm, exactly the kind of place that a woman would want to come and feel very comfortable with sharing the most personal things of our lives. Usually what women come in for are for uh, female specific kinds of things. So if it's an obstetric problem or it's a gynecological problem or some sort of urinary problem, those are the things that uh, women may be coming in. Mm -hmm. can, can you tell a little bit about from those previous conferences what you learned and how did you implement that in the, in the construction that you did? Absolutely. So we know the very first minute they walk through our doors, they're starting to form an impression on the care that they're going to receive. And we also know that the facility sets the tone for that visit. So we were very intentional about designing the space not to look like a clinic. We wanted it to have a little bit more of a hotel or hospitality feel to it so that you could take a deep breath when you stepped off those elevators. We have a coffee and tea station so you can grab a warm beverage if you need to. We're in Minnesota. So warm beverages are important, <laughs> yeah. uh, but just take a deep breath, center yourself, um, find a moment to collect your thoughts. So then when you are in that exam room, face to face with those providers talking about those very intimate details of your life, that you can do so from a place of 
uh, just a calm sense of who you are, not feeling frazzled or um, having your mind racing all over the place. And and we hear that from patients over and over again, that it's just, it's different. Mm-hmm. They can't always describe exactly what's different about mm-hmm. it, uh, but we know that it was all of the thought put into the design. I'll tell you, one of the things that's different, I noticed it because um, we worked really hard in Healthiest when I was working there, another uh, organization in Minnesota on the other side of the river, the Mississippi River. Um, And so I notice it when I see it, but it was every person in the hall, like uh, whether they're on a break, uh, whether it's staff, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, a nurse or whether it's, in fact, I had a doctor when I came in, led me to where I needed to get to. Um, uh, Any of the um, uh, people who are dealing with housekeeping or uh, anything else, they uh, look at, look you in the eye and say hello and how are you doing and are you lost and do you need some help? And they do it not like, oh, you're really bothering me and this is my first chance to sit down, but really, um, I think I can help you and I'd like to do that. Mm-hmm. And so that really uh, makes an impression. And then a lot of the out-of-town visitors were just shocked. They thought that was so unusual that not only would people help you, uh, but reach out to help and do it like they really were happy to be doing it. And I said, yeah, that's that's true. That's real. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I think that's something we're very intentional about. And when mm-hmm. we built the facility, we recognized that the experience that the patient has, 20% of it is going to be influenced by the facility. The other 80% is by the people they come in contact with when they're in our in our buildings. Our, our corporate... Um, HR motto, for lack of a better word, is head, heart, together. But I really feel like that's what Say we that slowly. Head, head and heart, heart together. together. Um, so really, how are we uh, using our heads to care for patients? Are we approaching things from our heart? And then how are we bringing those things mm-hmm. together in partnership with our patients? And that's something I feel like our team just, we live it, we breathe it. It's part of who we are. And that comes through in those yeah. experiences. And this is something that I feel like is so important. Uh, I've been talking about this for two and a half years on the show, and and so my listeners won't be surprised, but I really feel like if there is ever a relational business, it is healthcare. And the people that have come in and want to run healthcare as simply as a business, you know, the bottom line and, you know, as though people and employees are widgets or, you know, how do we get the most out of them without paying them, you know, and there are a lot of businesses that want to do that. Uh, the difference when you have an organization that right out in front is saying this is about heart, this is about the knowledge, but also putting it together as a humane, um, uh, compassionate, caring kind of way. And the people who are uh, attracted to healthcare, that's often the the personality that they bring with them and why so many times I think now that uh, nurses and doctors are burning out is because they're not able to uh, find that part of themselves that they that brought them here in the first place and then they're not able to really share that so um, I think that's important Um, I wanted to also talk just a little bit we were just in a conference and we were talking um, uh, about the pathology and what pathology does for um, for uh, 
the science, but also for the outcomes of patients. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if you could share a little bit about your thoughts. We, we think of pathology as somewhere in the basement. We're not really even sure who those people are. We sure as heck don't know what they do. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what we learned today? Absolutely. I think the pathology and pathologists are the little unknown secret of healthcare. They're um, very highly trained physicians uh, who are working in partnership with your family medicine provider, your surgeon, uh, your health specialist to really identify what's behind the disease um, that you're dealing with. And they're really the ones helping to select the appropriate treatment modalities or mechanisms. Um, And if they're not in true partnership with those surgeons, um, you're not going to get your best health outcomes. And I, I don't, I worked in OR. That was one of the things that I did. And I remember so many times that I would be in an operation. I was not obviously operating. I was the either the circulating nurse or oftentimes I was handing instruments. Um, but there would be that point when the surgeon saw something, recognized that they either didn't know quite what it was, it was not what they were expecting to see, so it was taking them by surprise. Um, and at that point, uh, it might be the radiology that would be brought in to take an x-ray, uh, or it might be that they were taking some sort of a specimen from what they were looking at, rushing it off to pathology, and uh, hoping that you know that, that in a very short period of time, the pathologist could come back with an answer for them before they had to close uh, and perhaps have to go back and reoperate. So that was um, something... I saw happen, but I didn't really think about what was happening on that aspect of when the radiologist, I mean, when the um, uh, specimen was being sent off. I didn't always think about who was that going to and who was that person that had to interrupt everything and try and look at this specific uh, slide at that particular moment. Mm-hmm. So, um this has been uh, just a really, I'm, I'm just really so proud, one, to have been uh, invited to this um, conference today. Um, I also have been working with uh, Tanya, as she said, she was on my show in September. Um, we were talking kind of about the same issue. Um because this is really important to me. My whole nursing career has been around wanting to help uh, women, particularly. Um, uh, I had experienced uh, many different um, aspects of of health um, problems, like my mother had um, about four to five miscarriages after me. I went into OB to try to understand how did that happen. Um, I was pretty young when that was going on and really didn't understand it. And so um, I, I felt like if those things had been happening now uh, instead of uh, 60 years ago, I think it would have been a completely different situation that one, they would have understood a little better about what was happening for her and hopefully have been able to help her. Um, and that's the joy of of. Uh, being involved in healthcare is it's always moving forward. It's always changing. And to see the changes making a difference in the health of our population is really what most of us are here trying to do. Um, so, um, 
I am not quite where, sure where we am. I think we're, we're coming to the end of the show here. Um, I, I guess I just really, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to add that I didn't say anything about? Anything with the, the guests or the speakers that you have met? Um, it's like I said, it's a great opportunity for us to learn together. And I think women in general are really good at doing that. So uh, where can we take the best of the best and apply it in the work that we're doing every day? We don't need to reinvent things. People are doing great work across the country and and we maximize our own learning by learning from each other. Yes. Um, I think it's one of the things too, that I've been to many, many, many conferences over 40 years of being a nurse and each one is different. Each one has its own um, atmosphere. And I really find, like you say, that when we have kind of a core group of people um, and we start telling our stories of what has brought us to this and what has kept us in it. And this whole group is all about women. And so it's really been fascinating to be able to um, uh, talk with them and and um, learn something new about what they're bringing to it. And what it gets me excited about is um, the idea that, again, women are now being more focused on than perhaps we ever have been. And that brings for me the feeling that we are really going to to be able to uh, make some changes for women. And and hopefully, to me, uh, having women be able to be in charge of their bodies in ways that they have never been in charge before, where um, having a pregnancy um, at a time that is not right for them or um, to, to be able to know that they can make some decisions uh, with the help of other people to determine how am I going to manage it and maybe even planning out. We used to talk all the time about family planning and that works to a large extent. If you have a partner who is willing to work with you, if you have a doctor who is willing to listen to you and to the the, um, expectations that you have. I think about, um, I went to nursing school with a woman who uh, wanted children, just really, really wanted to have children. And um, she also wanted to be a doctor. And those two things were almost um, equal um, dreams for Mm -hmm. her. Uh, what ended up happening is she married somebody and they started having children. She kept thinking she would have two or maybe three children and then she would go back to school and she'd be able to become a doctor. Well, three children turned into, I think, finally eight or nine oh children. Goodness. And each, and the last time that I saw her, she actually had her youngest was just going to kindergarten that fall. And she was so excited because she was thinking this is it, now I can really go back and become a doctor. And it wasn't like two months later, I found out that she was pregnant Mm -hmm. again. And so it kind of put it all on hold. So that's just a case of a brilliant young woman who um, she wanted those children. She absolutely, you know, wanted them. But at the same time, she had a dream that she never was able to fulfill because um, the pregnancies just kept coming. So I am not sure where we're at, but I think we're going to just go ahead and um, uh, leave this particular episode. Uh, Again, this has been a wonderful opportunity for me, and I'm so grateful for you, Andrea Winter, for having us here and welcoming us in such a warm fashion. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. 
So this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And I am Leanne Meyer. And um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And we hope that you will come back and listen again. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.